Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Tuesday, March 3rd, 2020. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about the latest film and TV news. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm the senior writer at SlashFilm.com, and I am joined on today's episode by Slash Film Weekend Editor Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. And writer Chris Evangelista. Hello, folks. All right, so let's kick off really quickly with a, a brief update to one of the stories that we talked about yesterday. On yesterday's episode of the podcast, we talked about a rumor that Ben Stiller might have been added to the cast of Fast and Furious 9. Unfortunately, after we finished recording our episode, Ben Stiller himself took to Twitter to say that reports of my fast and furiousness are greatly exaggerated, meaning not at all true, sadly, though I wish them well with the franchise. Fingers crossed it takes off. So uh, no Ben Stiller in Fast 9. But I stand by the concept that that would have been entertaining and fun. So anyway, let's move on into uh, today's episode. Um, Brad, let's kick us off with talking a little bit about Netflix. They are taking a, an unconventional um, path here, as they have often throughout their history. W- what does Netflix have up its sleeve? Uh, indeed. Uh, Netflix has become sort of this bastion of stand-up comedy. Uh, tons of comedians have stand-up specials through Netflix now. They're all over the place on the, uh, their streaming service. It's one of the biggest places that you can find tons of stand-up comedy. And so because of that, they've decided to launch their own comedy festival in Los Angeles this spring uh, from April 27th through May 3rd. Uh, it's called the Netflix is a Joke Fest branded after their uh, sort of, I guess, endeavor to have all these uh, different stand-up comedy specials and various other comedy programming. And they'll be bringing a bunch of their uh, heavy-hitting comedians who have Netflix specials to the festival. Amy Schumer, Bill Burr, Dave Chappelle, uh, David Letterman, Kevin Hart, Martin Lawrence. Uh, and then they also have a bunch of like uh, strong veteran names, too, like Billy Crystal, Willie Goldberg, Chris Rock, Jerry Seinfeld. Uh, they'll be honoring some late comedians like Joan Rivers and Robin Williams and Richard Pryor and George Carlin as part of this sort of Hall of Fame uh, induction ceremony called The Hall. There will be over 100 live comedy shows. They'll also have some panels with uh, like the cast of Schitt's Creek um, and things like that. So it's uh, it's a really, really big festival with 
tons of shows that'll be happening. Uh, and it looks like if you're in the Los Angeles area, you'll probably be able to catch some of your favorite comedians there. Brad, are you coming in town for this? I mean, I would like to, but, but I, I just, I don't even know where to begin trying to plan for this. If, if I could even afford it, there are so many people, uh, I would love to see. I mean, uh, if anyone from Netflix is listening and they're doing press passes for this, please let me know because I, w- I will come and I will cover the shit out of this event. <laughs> um, this sounds, I mean, as you were saying, some of those names, I, I just like, my head was exploding. It's like a ton of really, really huge people. This thing sounds very expensive. Uh, we know that Netflix obviously has a ton of money to throw around, but uh, has another... You know, I'm thinking of, like, um, HBO specials used to be, like, the big thing before Netflix specials came around, right? And, like, Comedy Central specials and stuff like that. Has any other, um, maybe not streaming service, but service or channel or something like that put on a, a comedy festival that you can think of that, that uh, I guess, rivals this or, or would have been a precursor to something like this? I think the closest thing that you could say to a streaming service doing something like this is... Uh, Funny or Die has their oddball comedy tour that they've been doing uh, for a little while now, and they have they have some huge names uh, on that tour. But the names uh, change um, at, at different locations across the country, and it's not um, it's more of a concert tour than it is a a weekend of uh, events like this is. So th- I think this is probably one of the biggest comedy festivals outside of something like uh, Just for Laughs um, that happens in the United States. Do you think that any other streaming services are going to, you know, we have a lot coming up still. There's Peacock, there's Quibi, there's uh, HBO Max. Do you think any other streaming services are going to try to rival Netflix in terms of, like, the the stand-up comedy special? Or do you think they're basically, like, um, ceding that territory to Netflix because they have such a dominant foothold already? That's a good question. Um, The only one that I could probably see really making a dent and uh, making stand-up uh, a cornerstone of their service uh, would be HBO Max, since they do have a long uh, history of stand-up specials with a lot of comedians. But a lot of those comedians have Netflix specials now, and some, some of them even have exclusive deals there. So, uh, you know, it, it would remain to be seen. It would probably be on a case-by-case basis, but, yeah, I, I think HBO Max would probably be the only one that could probably pull it off. And then, last question, do you think that because Netflix has already purchased, that they've, they've sort of made inroads into buying their own theaters, um, do you think that there's a chance that they would buy a venue specifically for stand-up comedy like maybe they could dress the stage differently for every show and like shoot all their stuff there and then also do live performances and charge for it and all that stuff do you think that that's a possibility um i mean i wouldn't count it out but like so often with these comedy specials it's usually up to the comedian where they want to want to shoot it you know because usually it's a, a, a venue that means something to them or where they know they have a a good following and they always have good shows um, and honestly, it's probably cheaper and easier for, to, for Netflix just to, you know, buy out certain venues that already exist for a period of time, you know, for this comedy festival or for those stand-up specials, because there's, you know, no re- real reason to have a stand-up venue where you shoot all of your specials, because, you know, uh, in addition to comedians wanting different venues, the stage design is usually significantly different, too. There's usually some kind of, you know, pop art background or, you know, neon light or something that mm. is representative of that special so i i i think it's unlikely but you know who who knows netflix can probably do whatever they want to at this point (laughs) yeah uh chris i know you don't like generally leaving your house uh i'm kind of right there with you but even like for screenings and stuff like that but uh what's your relationship with um with like stand-up comedy and and uh events like this
this. Have you ever like gone to pay to see a stand-up comic live, or is that not something that really interests you? Uh, yeah, I've seen a few live, and there are a few I would go out of my way to see. Like, I've never seen John Mulaney live, but if he ever tours near me, I definitely want to go see him because he's like my favorite comedian at the time. But I, I I'm not. Uh, like you said, I don't like to leave my house. So it, it's got to be like a really, really good reason. So if they did something like this in New York, which does not seem like a far-fetched uh, possibility, you know, typically Netflix has, like I said, you know, they're making inroads into having their own theaters. I think they have one here in L.A. They have one in New York as well. If they decided to, I don't know, next year open this uh, Netflix as a joke fest up to New York, which is, you know, much, much closer to you than L.A. is. Do you think that depending on the, the talent, it might be something that would like uh, draw you out of your heart? Hole. Yeah, I mean, if if the if the talent is uh, is up to snuff, you know, if they got like uh, Sinbad up there doing some jokes, <laughs> I, I'd be I'd be uh, I'd be rushing over there. Awesome. All right. You, have to, you do have to see Mulaney live, Chris. He is awesome. I have seen him twice now, and he's yeah. just the, he's the best. Yeah, I'm I'm really hoping he announces like a, a tour soon. Uh, Brad, let's keep it on the Netflix train for just a minute and talk a little bit about the uh, about Stranger Things season four. There was a table read video that was announced today. Um, why don't you tell us about that and if there's anything uh, that we can glean from that about the future, you know the upcoming season? Yeah, it's just a quick uh, minute teaser video. They made it look like it was like shot on like an old home video camera. It might have actually been shot on an old video camera because there uh, there are also shots of uh, Finn Wolfhard and some of the other cast members holding like what looks like an old camcorder. Um, so it's it's just very, you know, uh, sort of warped, grainy footage of the cast getting back together. Um, no real surprises. Pretty much everybody who is alive is coming back. Uh, we have all of the core kids. Uh, Sadie Sink is back as, as Max. Uh, Maya Hawk will be returning as Robin. We just recently learned David Harbour is coming um, officially back since he's alive and he's in the video as is Winona Ryder. Um, so it's pretty much everyone you expect, no surprises. The the big, um, I guess, new detail, and this doesn't even come from the video, this just comes from a separate report, is that uh, Brett Gelman, who uh, plays Murray Bowman, the uh, reporter turned private investigator and conspiracy theorist, uh, is has been upgraded to a series regular for season four. He uh, joined the cast in season two, had a much bigger role in season three, and so now it appears he's in it for uh, for the long haul for this new season. Uh, Chris, I know you're a, a fan of uh, especially the the most recent str- uh, season of Stranger Things. Are you excited about more Brett Gelman, or do you think he's a character that um, in this universe should be used sparingly? Uh, I, I guess it depends on you know how big his part. I thought he was he was good last season. I think he's great on Fleabag. So I am not against Brett Goldman. So <laughs> I'll put it that way. What do you think, Brad? Yeah, I think he's a um a welcome face in the series. He provides a little more comic relief, I think, than uh, most of the rest of the characters, with the exception of maybe Gate Matarazzo. Uh, as Dustin, but yeah, he's uh, he's great. His character's fun, and it's it's always it's nice to have a character like that who, you know, can be serious when it's called for, but also has you know uh, a goofier side to him every now and then. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's uh, transition over into the world of horror. Uh, Chris, AMC, the um, theater chain, has a screening series coming up celebrating one of their movies. Tell us about that. Uh, yeah, so the movie in question is uh, Saint Maud, which is a new uh, A24 horror movie, and it, it's very good. And, and uh, I also feel like it's going to be one of those A24 horror movies that 
quote unquote normal people hate because it doesn't have jump scares and it's more like psychological. But in any case, to honor the film's impending release, AMC is doing this uh, screening series where they're showing off um, uh, female led horror films like St. Maud. Uh, so they're, they're going to be showing the, uh, let's see what do we have here. They're going to be showing uh, the exorcist Rosemary's baby and the conjuring, which really doesn't quite fit with those other two, but whatever I'll, I'll allow it AMC theaters. And then this is all leading up to a early screening of St. Maud before it officially comes out. So, yeah, I, I know that um, I think we talked about this maybe very briefly uh, when a trailer came out or something. But you saw this movie, what, on, at a film festival? Was it last uh, year? Yeah. I, yeah, I saw it at Fantastic Fest last year. Okay, and you like it, it sounds like, right? Yes, yeah, okay. it's very good. Um, so what do you think about I, – I have to admit something to you, Chris. I've only seen The Conjuring of these four movies. I mean, I guess it's not surprising that I haven't seen St. Maud yet since it doesn't – it's not open yet. But uh, I have not seen The Exorcist or Rosemary's Baby. Um, wow. I, I know. I need to – I really need to rectify that. I, I've made plans over the past couple years to watch both of them, and then somehow just uh, things <laughs> – things got in the way and I never had a chance to do it and I never really wanted to watch like a a crappy version on AMC or or like the the TV channel not to be confused with the theatrical chain um or like uh I don't know some network that might like uh, potentially edit the content or something and I, I've just never decided to pay for any of it I really need to rectify this but I guess for for people who maybe if there's anybody else out there like me uh, which would you recommend if, if people had to see like only one of these movies, um, I guess in the lead up to St. Maud, what, what's your favorite of this, uh, four some here? Oh man. Uh, it, it'd probably be like a tie between exorcist and Rosemary's baby with probably the exorcist slightly taking the lead. Cause I think it's a better movie, but you really can't go wrong with those two films. All right. Well, that's good news for me who, I mean, again, I definitely need to check both of these out. Um, Brad, have, do you have familiarity with, uh, with all of these movies? Have you seen all of these? Uh, I haven't seen St. Maud yet, but I have seen all of the other movies mentioned and yes, they are all fantastic. And I'm, I'm pretty much on the same page with Chris, uh, exorcist and Rosemary's baby are neck and neck with each other. But I do think I like exorcist more because, um, I have a fondness for it in the same way that I do for Halloween because uh, my mom uh, let me watch some horror movies at a younger age because she had seen them at a younger age, and so she wanted to show them to me. And uh, yeah, so they, they they kind of hold a special place in in my in my heart on the horror side of things. Nice. So um, yeah, this this whole screening series starts on appropriately enough on uh, Friday the thirteenth of March. So you can go to the article at slashfilm.com to get more details about where and when you can find you know all those screenings in an area near you. Uh, Chris, let's let's wrap up today's episode with one more horror related story, and that is uh, Paranormal Activity Seven. Um, this is a project that, or a franchise that has been, I guess, ongoing since what, 2007, I think, is when the first one came out. And now uh, a new movie is supposed to come out, I think, sometime in 2021. And they've announced that uh, a writer is on board who is going to be returning to this universe. Right. So I've actually just updated this story because an update sort of just came in via Twitter. But so Christopher Landon, who wrote Paranormal Activity 2 through 5, and he also wrote the uh, Happy Death Day movies. So the other day, uh, uh, Jason Blum, you know, is the head of Blumhouse, announced that uh, Christopher Landon was coming back for Paranormal Activity 7. And 
uh, Blum's quote really makes it sound like he's writing the movie. And then I guess Christopher Landon saw that and he went on Twitter today and said, uh, I wanted to clarify something. I'm helping my friends, but I'm not writing the movie. So it seems like he's sort of shaping the story, but he's not writing the script and we don't actually know who's writing the script yet. So no, interesting. That was going to be my next question. Who is writing yeah. this thing? <laughs> we don't know. Yeah. Uh, so what do you think about Christopher Landon's um, tenure in the Paranormal Activity uh, saga? I mean, those movies, <laughs> they get more ridiculous as they go along. I really liked the Happy Death Day movies, though, so I am a fan of him in general. I, I just don't know what else there is to do with this story. Like, if I were doing it, I would start fresh. Like, not a reboot, just tell a new story, just because... The, the, the original Paranormal Activity series tried so hard to build this mythology and it got more ridiculous and more complicated and more impossible to follow. I feel like there's there's no good way to keep that going. It's better to try something different. But that's me. I don't know. Brad, what's your relationship like with the Paranormal Activity series? Um, I really like them. Even as they got more ridiculous, I kind of enjoyed how they went for it. I Partially, I think... Um, for the same reasons that I enjoyed the Happy Death Day franchise, especially the sequel even more than the first one, is that it kind of, it leaned into, you know, um, I guess a vibe that I wasn't entirely expecting. Uh, It got a little bit more sci-fi, a little more comedic. And even though Paranormal Activity never went in the comedic direction, it did start to get a little bit more sci-fi because uh, Marked Ones features time travel. Um, and uh, actually, as does the the Ghost Dimension one too, and it started going in this kind of wild direction that I was interested in seeing if it turned into anything, if it becomes something even more crazy. Um, so I, I've always had fun with these movies. I, funnily enough, I was actually at um, an early screening of the original Paranormal Activity after it got picked up at Slamdance, and you can see me in the night vision footage from the first trailer they released for it. <laughs> That's awesome. Wow. I had no idea about that. Um, yeah, I, I watched the first three and really enjoyed them. And then just, I don't know what it was about the trailer for the fourth movie that I just didn't really have any interest in it. And then I think, you know, as Chris was saying, because they got so much more ridiculous along the way, I think that the critical consensus sort of um, soured on, on these movies as they kept going. But um, I don't know. I'm, I'm very mixed on Christopher Landon because these are the only things of his that I've seen. Um, Chris, did you ever see Burning Palms, which was his directorial debut from 2010? No. Oh, man, uh, that, that is a rough movie. I would not recommend that to... Have you not seen the Happy Death Day movies yet? No, I haven't. I have not. Oh, they're, they're so fun. Yeah, I think they might be on HBO, or they were last time I checked, so maybe I'll, I'll try to uh, add those to my queue and check those out. But, um, okay, well, yeah, I, th- I think that's going to bring us to the end of a, a pretty short episode of Slash Film Daily today. There's not too much news out there, but I feel like we, we covered the, the big things that are floating around today. So uh, why don't we go around the circle and tell people where they can find more of our work online. Uh, Chris, let's start with you. I'm at SlashFilm.com, and you can find me on Twitter at CEvangelista413. Brad? Always SlashFilm.com. You can also find me on Twitter at Ethan underscore Anderson. Uh, I've got my own podcast called Go Flix Yourself on iTunes and other podcasting platforms. Uh, and I'm replacing Ben Stiller in Fast and Furious 9. <laughs> I look forward to it. Uh, you can find my writing at SlashFilm.com as well. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Ben Pears. And you can find more about all of the stories that we mentioned on today's show 
at SlashFilm.com and linked inside the show notes of this episode. SlashFilm Daily is published every weekday, bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps, and send your feedback, questions, comments, and concerns to us at peter at SlashFilm.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. And don't forget to rate and review the podcast on iTunes. That helps us out a lot. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thank you for listening, and we will talk to you tomorrow.